0: chapter eighteen of an anonymous story by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter eighteen two years had passed circumstances had changed i had come to petersburg again and could live here openly i was no longer afraid of being and seeming sentimental and gave myself up entirely to the fatherly or rather idolatrous feeling roused in me by sonya zinaida fyodorovna's child i fed her with my own hands gave her her bath put her to bed never took my eyes off her for nights together and screamed when it seemed to me that the nurse was just going to drop her my thirst for normal ordinary life became stronger and more acute as time went on but wider visions stopped short at sonya as though i had found in her at last just what i needed i loved the child madly in her i saw the continuation of my life and it was not exactly that i fancied but i felt i almost believed that when i had cast off at last my long bony bearded frame i should go on living in those little blue eyes that silky flaxen hair those dimpled pink hands which stroked my face so lovingly and were clasped round my neck sonya's future made me anxious orlov was her father in her birth certificate she was called Krasnovsky, and the only person who knew of her existence and took interest in her that is i was at death's door i had to think about her seriously the day after i arrived in petersburg i went to see orlov the door was opened to me by a stout old fellow with red whiskers and no moustache who looked like a german who was tidying the drawing-room did not recognize me but orlov knew me at once ah mr revolutionist he said looking at me with curiosity and laughing what fate has brought you he was not changed in the least the same well-groomed unpleasant face the same irony and a new book was lying on the table just as of old with an ivory paper-knife thrust in it he had evidently been reading before i came in he made me sit down offered me a cigar and with a delicacy only found in well-bred people concealing the unpleasant feeling aroused by my face and my wasted figure observed casually that i was not in the least changed and that he would have known me anywhere in spite of my having grown a beard we talked of the weather of paris to dispose as quickly as possible of the oppressive inevitable question which weighed upon him and me he asked zinaida fyodorovna is dead yes i answered in childbirth yes in childbirth the doctor suspected another cause of death but it is more comforting for you and for me to think that she died in childbirth he sighed decorously and was silent the angel of silence passed over us as they say yes and here everything is as it used to be no changes he said briskly seeing that i was looking about the room my father as you know has left the service and is living in retirement i am still in the same department do you remember pikarsky he is just the same as ever gruzin died of diphtheria a year ago kukushkin is alive and often speaks of you by the way said orlov dropping his eyes with an air of reserve when kukushkin heard who you were he began telling everyone you had attacked him and tried to murder him and that he only just escaped with his life i did not speak old servants do not forget their masters it's very nice of you said orlov jocosely will you have some wine and some coffee though i will tell them to make some no thank you i have come to see you about a very important matter georgi ivanitch i am not fond of important matters but i shall be glad to be of service to you what do you want you see i began growing agitated i have here with me zinaida fyodorovna's daughter hitherto i have brought her up but as you see before many days i shall be an empty sound i should like to die with the thought that she is provided for orlov colored a little frowned a little and took a cursory and sullen glance at me he was unpleasantly affected not so much by the important matter as by my words about death about becoming an empty sound yes it must be thought about he said screening his eyes as though from the sun thank you you say it's a girl yes a girl a wonderful child oh yes of course it's not a lap-dog but a human being i understand we must consider it seriously i am prepared to do my part and am very grateful to you he got up walked about biting his nails and stopped before a picture we must think about it he said in a hollow voice standing with his back to me i shall go to Pikarsky's today and will ask him to go to krasnovsky's i don't think he will make much ado about consenting to take the child but excuse me i don't see what krasnovsky has got to do with it i said also getting up and walking to a picture at the other end of the room but she bears his name of course said orlov yes he may be legally obliged to accept the child i don't know but i came to you Georgy ivanitch not to discuss the legal aspect yes yes you are right he agreed briskly i believe i am talking nonsense but don't excite yourself we will decide the matter to our mutual satisfaction if one thing won't do we'll try another and if that won't do we'll try a third one way or another this delicate question shall be settled pekarsky will arrange it all be so good as to leave me your address and i will let you know at once what we decide where are you living orlov wrote down my address sighed and said with a smile oh lord what a job it is to be the father of a little daughter but pekarsky will arrange it all he is a sensible man did you stay long in paris two months we were silent Orlov was evidently afraid i should begin talking of the child again and to turn my attention in another direction said you have probably forgotten your letter by now but i have kept it i understand your mood at the time and i must own i respect that letter damnable cold blood asiatic coarse laugh that was charming and characteristic he went on with an ironical smile and the fundamental thought is perhaps near the truth though one might dispute the question endlessly that is he hesitated not dispute the thought itself but your attitude to the question your temperament so to say yes my life is abnormal corrupted of no use to any one and what prevents me from beginning a new life is cowardice there you are quite right but that you take it so much to heart are troubled and reduced to despair by it that's irrational there you are quite wrong a living man cannot help being troubled and reduced to despair when he sees that he himself is going to ruin and others are going to ruin round him who doubts it i am not advocating indifference all i ask for is an objective attitude to life the more objective the less danger of falling into error one must look into the root of things and try to see in every phenomenon a cause of all the other causes we have grown feeble slack degraded in fact our generation is entirely composed of neurasthenics and whimperers we do nothing but talk of fatigue and exhaustion but the fault is neither yours nor mine we are of too little consequence to affect the destiny of a whole generation we must suppose for that larger more general causes with a solid raison d'etre from the biological point of view we are neurasthenics flabby renegades But perhaps it's necessary and of service for generations that will come after us not one hair falls from the head without the will of the heavenly father in other words nothing happens by chance in nature and in human environment everything has its cause and is inevitable and if so why should we worry and write despairing letters it's all very well i said thinking a little i believe it will be easier and clearer for the generations to come our experience will be at their service but one wants to live apart from future generations and not only for their sake life is only given us once and one wants to live it boldly with full consciousness and beauty one wants to play a striking independent noble part one wants to make history so that those generations may not have the right to say of each of us that we were nonentities or worse i believe what is going on about us is inevitable and not without a purpose but what have i to do with that inevitability why should my ego be lost? Well, there's no help for it, sighed Orlov, getting up and, as it were, giving me to understand that our conversation was over. I took my hat. We've only been sitting here half an hour, and how many questions we have settled when you come to think of it, said Orlov, seeing me into the hall. So I will see to that matter. I will see Pekarsky to-day. Don't be uneasy. He stood waiting while I put on my coat, and was obviously relieved at the feeling that I was going away georgi ivanitch give me back my letter i said certainly he went to his study and a minute later returned with the letter i thanked him and went away the next day i got a letter from him he congratulated me on the satisfactory settlement of the question pekarsky knew a lady who wrote who kept a school something like a kindergarten where she took quite little children the lady could be entirely depended upon but before concluding anything with her it would be as well to discuss the matter with krasnovsky it was a matter of form he advised me to see pekarsky at once and to take the birth certificate with me if i had it rest assured of the sincere respect and devotion of your humble servant i read this letter and sonya sat on the table and gazed at me attentively without blinking as though she knew her fate was being decided end of chapter eighteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of an anonymous story by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six